good morning. If you brought a Bible, please find our New Testament reading, Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Thanks, Russell. Reading this to us, and wow, if you've been following along in this series, this is a pretty dramatic shift in language and tone. Up until now, the Apostle Paul has been writing about things like unity and humility. And most recently, the end of chapter 2, we saw him hold up two people as great examples of unity and humility. People that we should honor and imitate. And then in chapter 3, verse 1, he brings up again a theme of joy. And then in verse 2, he starts calling people names. My mother never let me call somebody names. We got really in a lot of trouble for that. And he doesn't just call them names. Look what he calls them. Dogs, evildoers, and cutters or mutilators. This is some harsh stuff. Now, remember, the theme of the book is that our public behavior must match up to the gospel of the king. And he's been naming what that kind of behavior is. It's joy, it's unity, it's holiness. So how in the world does Paul get away with this? Like, does this feel consistent with that? Do, don't, doesn't this feel to us today in the culture we live in, doesn't it feel like somebody else picked up the pen and started writing at this point? Or Paul went to sleep and took a nap and woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Or he doesn't really remember what he's been going on and on. Doesn't it feel different? Look, when you're reading the Bible, or any literature for that matter, and it feels all of the sudden like something changed or is missing or went wrong, that is a really good moment to realize there's something here I need to stop and think about. I need to figure that out. I need to figure out how either Paul is unintelligent or uncontrolling, controlled in his writing, or that the opposite is the case. This is consistent. And it's my view of unity, and it's my view of joy, and it's my view of humility that's at odds with this. Now, who are these bad people that we should watch out for? For. Who are these people that Paul is not breaking consistency with what he's been saying to all of the sudden call them such bad names? Who are these people? Well, first of all, Paul says that they are dogs. Now, that's not a very hard put down today, especially if you know my dog, Buster then you might think, oh, these are some pretty good dudes. Or like me, you've been addicted to watching Deion Sanders and what he's doing at the University of Colorado, where he gives people a label on their uniform as a dog, which is a very positive thing at the University of California. Back in the day, 
dogs were anything but man's best friend. That's, that's a modern evolutionary development. They were scavengers. They were dirty. They prowled the streets looking for filth and garbage. And for the Jewish people, a dog was a symbol of everything that opposed God. So there's a group of people who are not safe for the church in Philippi. There are a group of people who are not safe and that they've got to, instead of receiving and honoring them, like we're told to do with Timothy and Epaphroditus and people like that, we need to resist them and see them as an enemy. They present like they're on God's side, but they're not. The second phrase he uses is a well-known phrase from the Psalms, evildoers, literally workers of iniquity. They think they are doing God's work. They are not. What they're up to looks good, but it's actually wicked. And the third name he calls this group is mutilators. These are people who want to cut off part of your flesh. This is a group of people who are telling Christians, if you want to be in Jesus' family, Jesus was a Jew, Jews get circumcised, you need to get circumcised. So Paul calls them cutters, mutilators. He's making a play on words. They want to cut off part of your body, men. They are the cut off ones. Now, over against this, Paul says to the church in Philippi, you need to see these people for who they are and don't listen to them. Instead of honoring them and receiving them and imitating them, you need to look out for them and beware of them because you're different. Look what he says in verse 3. We are the real circumcision. We worship by the Spirit of God Glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So look, he named these enemies who are a threat. He gave them three characteristics. Dogs, they're opposed to God. Workers of wickedness. And they want you to be cut off from God. And in contrast to that, he says, they're not your people. You have other characteristics, and he gives four. Number one, you are the real circumcision. In Jesus Christ, God's work in this world is is enlarging beyond the Jewish people as an ethnic category, and it includes non-Jews who give their faith and their allegiance and their obedience to Jesus. Second, You worship by the Spirit of God. Third, you boast in Messiah Jesus. And fourth, you don't boast in the flesh. You don't put any confidence in the flesh. Now, what what does this mean, to put confidence in the flesh? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 4, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. 
That doesn't mean Jack Diddley to us today. In no circle that we move in today does that give you street cred. But that's the key. That's what gave them street cred. They were ethnically Jewish. These are all symbols of ethnic status. It has nothing to do with Paul was a really good person. This is a list of seven markers of his parentage. He came from good stock. Of his of prestige. Paul says, I have all the markers to prove I am pure as a Jew. I'm, a f- I'm fully Jewish. I'm not half Jew. I've got all the ethnic and the national credentials. I have an unblemished Jewish heritage. That's what the people who are a threat to the church valued. Paul's not referencing his moral achievements. He's listing his status markers ethnically, nationally, and he had them. He had all the right credentials for nationalistic pride, for cultural privilege. And that's what the people Paul is warning the Philippians against are advocating. They are going to try to seduce the Philippians into adopting ethnic and cultural status markers. Ethnic and cultural ways of evaluating your worth to others and to God. But the only scale that a missionary church should use for evaluating the worth of people to God is the scale of Jesus Christ. Have you given your faith, your allegiance, your loyalty, your obedience to King Jesus? Now, here's the challenge. The challenge with this kind of scripture is that those things that he listed are in no way tempting to us today. So we get to get off the hook because he's listing things that don't matter to any of us. So to read this, you feel where it's going, don't you? What is it that matters to us? If he was writing this to us today, what are the kind of people in the value system that our culture presses on us to evaluate one another by? What do you judge your value by? When you walk into a room, what group of people or what person do you tend to want to talk to? And which group of people or type of people do you really not have much interest in talking to? They either bore you or they make you think of the other person in the room you wish you were talking to instead of them. What is your badge of honor in the circle you move in? What's the street cred in your circles? 
These people that Paul is warning the Philippian church about, they are people who want to make Christianity into a religion that is ethnically oriented, a religion of nationalism, a cultural religion. And Paul says, no, you have to sniff that out. You have to beware of that. For you and me, in this culture we live in, what do we need to recognize? as a temptation for us to put confidence in. All right, because I want to get up in your business, I'll start with my business. As I've been praying through this in my own life and reflecting on the ways that I've been tempted to put confidence in my flesh, to make my boast about something other than Jesus. There was this time in my life, in my late 20s and my early 30s, where I really struggled with pride in academic prestige. I liked when people thought I was smart. And so I've told this story before, but I'm gonna, I'll tell you again. When I was, um, had was getting ready to move to England to do doctoral work. I had three different schools I had been accepted into. One of them was Oxford. When people who told me, where are you going to go to school for your PhD? I always saved Oxford for last because strategically, I wanted it to land. I got stroke out of it. In the circles I moved in, that mattered. Well, I decided not to go to Oxford because one night as I was getting ready to go to sleep, Janelle and I were in bed, and she said, you're really getting a lot of like um, pride out of Oxford, aren't you? And then she rolled over and went to sleep. <laughs> like a little beast. And I lay awake all night realizing that she was right. I thought I had been cloy with it. Right? I thought that nobody knew the little um, sweetness I was getting out of every time somebody asked me, where are you going to go? And I got to tell them what I was thinking about. And God didn't want me to go to Oxford. So then I lived in England and I didn't go to Oxford. I went to this other university and I would travel back to America and I would preach and I would preach all over America all different kinds of places, and inevitably, half the time I would show up at a church, somebody would introduce me as Aubrey Spears, he's doing his PhD at Oxford, because they got pride out of the fact. I never told anybody that. I had taken a vow of silence on them. And so then I would get to stand up in front of churches and have to make the decision, am I going to correct that or not? And if I correct it, I'm going to correct it in a way that still I get a little juice out of it. Well, actually, I was accepted to Oxford, but no, I'm it. And God used this to just grind away. He kept giving me opportunities to deal with this thing that was juicing me up. I once lived in a place where it wasn't about academic prestige. It was about money. The ticket to the inner circle 
was making a million dollars, being a successful businessman. And, and, and it wasn't ever named out loud, but you could just feel who got cred and who didn't. You could just feel it. Like what made you worth listening to? Now, I don't think either one of those things are particularly strong idols in Harrisonburg. What is it, though? What gives you street cred in your circles? Have you ever been to a church where there's a certain club? And if you're not in it, then... See, that's what Paul is saying. He's saying it is so dangerous to churches that anything other than boasting in Jesus, right? Anything else, if that gets into a church... It is worth naming as evil. Have you ever been to a church that if you're not Republican, you're not godly? Or if you're not Democrat, you're not a real good Christian? Have you ever been to a church that has this secret level of status markers? Remember, Paul has just gone through what the status markers are. He gave them to us last week in the end of chapter 2. He said it's Timothy and Epaphroditus. And what is it about these guys? It's that they've made a habit out of caring for other Christians who aren't even in their own church. That's the status marker. He said it's that they've made a habit out of enslaving themselves to the gospel for the advance of the gospel. It's that they are so committed to Jesus, they would even risk their lives for him. I hope you've been reading through Philippians over and over and over. I encourage you to if you haven't. It takes 12 minutes, all right, for the average reader. Read it over and over and over. And you notice what what Paul is consumed with. Paul is consumed with Jesus. He can't go two sentences without naming Jesus, or the kingdom of Jesus, or the gospel of Jesus, or the advance of Jesus. It's what he's consumed by, and he's saying in this passage, when we put our boast in anything else, we're dogs. We're opposing God. We're going to contaminate the church. Now, is he saying you can't be proud about achievements? I think there's a place for pride about achievements, but it's, it's a problem when it becomes a status marker. Like, what is the status marker in your circle? Is it the books you've read? The books you've written? Is it that you don't listen to pop music? You're into the esoteric stuff? What is it? Is it the places you eat? The kind of food you eat? Is it that you're cool or that maybe that you're not cool? There are circles where not cool is the cool. What is it? And Paul is calling us here to pay attention to what we stare at. The Lord Jesus is cautioning us when we veg out on our phones. What are we looking at? What do you glory in? Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And look out for the dogs, for the evildoers, for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the real circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence 
in the flesh. Now here's the good news. All of us have something that we can say, yeah, I struggle with feeling really proud about that thing and valuing people who have that thing. We can take that to Jesus. We can admit that to him. And when we admit that to Jesus, I really struggle with liking these sorts of people and being impressed with them and looking down at these sorts of people. When we can name that to Jesus, he's going to be kind to you about it. He's going to receive your confession. And he's going to offer you mercy. And he's going to lead you, like our psalm said, in paths of righteousness. Now, the the proverb that Ed read to us, answer a fool in his folly, lest he become wise in his own eyes. Don't answer a fool in his folly, lest you become like him. It's interesting to see how Paul in this book does pick a group of people that he's willing to rebuke, that he's willing to call out. We need to be careful that we have such a value system. Let's pray.